Good morning. Welcome to worship. We are so glad that you are here. What a wonderful, glorious, almighty God we serve. And there is nothing, nothing that our God can't do. Isn't that a great thing? Just Let's just declare that this morning as we stand and we sing together. There's nothing that our God can't do. Come the storms that surround me. Just one word, the darkness has to flee. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch. My eyes were open to see, my heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do, there's not a mountain that He can't prove. Oh, praise the name that makes a way, there's nothing that our God can't do. Oh, just one word, you heal the world me just one word and you receive every dream just one touch I feel the power of heaven just one touch my eyes were open to see my heart can help but there's nothing that our God can't do. Right. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. Oh, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall He can't break through. Oh, praise the Oh, yes, there's nothing that our God can't do. Oh, and I believe for greater things. Let's sing this together. Here we go. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. 
Uh, let's stand and sing the way, the truth, the life. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress. You are my portion. You are my hiding place. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe through every blessing, through every promise. Every breath I take, I believe that you are provider, oh, you are protector, you are the one I love, Lord, and I believe you are the way, the truth. set on you and you meet me here today with mercy is not a new all all my fears and doubts well they can all come to because they can't stay long when I'm here with you it's a new horizon and I'm set on you and you meet me here today a new hope. All my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay long when I believe you are the way.
running to you this morning for hope, for all the things that we need, Lord. We come running to you, oh Lord. You are the great Savior and supplier of, uh, of all things that we need. We thank you for the way you love us, Lord. We come running to you again and again and again. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. I see it now, I'm laying it down, and I know that I need you. Come on. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, oh. You saw my condition, had a plan from the start. Your son for redemption, the price for my heart. Oh, I don't have a context, no, but that kind of love I don't understand, I can't comprehend. All I know is I need you. I run My soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Come on, church. Oh, oh, oh. again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, oh. My heart has been. Long before my first breath, running into your arms, he's running to life from, come on, and I feel this rush deep in my chest, your mercy is calling out, just as I am, you pull My soul needs a friend, so I run 
before you this morning, just lifting you high. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our songs. Lord, we ask you just to bless this hour together as we come. We pray, Lord, that you are glorified and you are lifted high and that you are, that our worship puts a smile on your face, Lord. Lord, I just want to pray this morning that you'll open our hearts and our eyes to hear and see from you, Lord. This is all about you this morning. This is all about you. And so, Lord, we pray that you will help us to see you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you today. Great to be with you on this morning, and thank you for the worship today. I'm sharing a series of sermons about what we believe about God, specifically about the belief that God is a trinity. That is, he's three in one. There's only one God, but he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so in the weeks to come, we're going to be exploring what our God is like. Now, understanding the Trinity is sort of hard to get this three in one concept. So I think of it like these three steps going up to this uh, pulpit. Uh, to, to mount these steps, if you're a world-class athlete as I am, you could just jump all the way to the top, get to just to three right away, right? But an easier concept would be to take them one at a time. And so that's sort of what we're doing in this series. So last week, I shared with you one, the first step. We believe that there is one true living God. We get that from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where it said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And it says it also in the New Testament. Jesus confirmed this Old Testament verse when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Mark 12, 29. So that's what we did last week was step one. We got that. We believe there's only one true living God. So now, today, we're ready to move to step two. Two. And that brings us to the question, last week's question was how many gods do you think there are? We said one. Now we come to the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the relationship of Jesus to this one true living God. So we got two individuals here. How do they relate? And... Uh, so what we're going to see today is what Jesus claims to be and what he showed himself to be. So we'll spend a couple of weeks on this step. Who is Jesus? I believe it's the most important question in the world. I really do. 
I believe it's the most important question you can consider and I can consider who is Jesus to you. It is the question that Jesus, near the end of his ministry, on a retreat, asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And I believe it's a very important question. So eventually we'll get to step three, but for a couple of weeks we're here on two. So who is Jesus? We're going to get that answer from the Gospel of John. The fourth of the four stories of Jesus is the one that deals directly with that question. Who is Jesus? So how do you start, where do you start the story of Jesus? The Gospel of Mark, we think, was probably the first Gospel written. And the Gospel of Mark begins with Jesus as an adult. It begins with his baptism and his ministry. Matthew's Gospel goes back a little bit farther. Maybe I should go this way for you. Yeah, so we got Mark starting here. Matthew's Gospel goes back a little bit farther. Matthew goes back to the birth of Jesus. He says, wait a minute, let me give, you, give them some background so they'll understand that. And he goes back to the birth of Jesus and tells of the virgin birth of Jesus. Luke's gospel goes back a little bit farther than that, and Luke begins with the story of John the Baptist. Let me go a little bit farther and give them some background of the forerunner that God sent before that. John's gospel goes all the way back to eternity, ran out of stage room. John's gospel goes back to the beginning. Look at it, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, John is going back to eternity, and he's deliberately imitating Genesis 1-1. Remember when we answered the question 1 last week? We looked at Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God was there in the beginning. Well, now, John wants you to know Jesus was there in the beginning, too. In the beginning was the Word. So that's John's title for Jesus you say why does he call him the word could you hold that question until we get to verse 3 I think we can answer that question better in verse 3 but for right now understand this is Jesus in the beginning <clears throat> was the word so Jesus didn't have his beginning at the virgin birth or at conception you and I began at conception Jesus didn't he was here before then he was here in the beginning he is eternal just as God is eternal in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God. So he was there with God in Genesis 1-1. Jesus was there. He was in fellowship, in intimacy, in relationship with God, right? Next phrase. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John says, he is deity. He's God. Now notice these two phrases together. They're so important. Because here's the makings of the Trinity. Because Jesus is God, but he's not exactly identical to the Father. He's with God. You get that? There's a distinction from the Father in that phrase, right? He's with God, and he is God. Either one of those, if you left out either phrase, it would not tell us the whole story of Jesus. But in John 1.1, he tells us he was in the beginning. He's in close intimacy and fellowship with the Father, and he is God. Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe what I've just said to you. And so this, they do not believe in the deity of Jesus. So this verse always gave them trouble. So in 1950, they made their own translation of the New Testament. It is the New World Translation. Don't use the New World Translation. And they translated this verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. So they put an A in front of God and made that last 
G a little g, okay? That's what the New World Translation says. Because they don't believe in the full deity of Jesus Christ, this verse gave them a lot of trouble, and so they changed it to fit their beliefs that he's, yeah, he's Superman, he's, but he's a little God, but he's not the God. <laughs> I was a young pastor, and when you're young, you're arrogant. Can I just throw that in there so you'll understand this story a little better? <clears throat> it was on a Saturday. I was at home. I'd been working on my truck, changing the oil or something. Had dirt all over me. This guy comes. He was a Jehovah's Witness, and he says, "Once you go to a Bible study," and I said, "I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. I don't, I don't believe that you're, you're Orthodox and you're Christian belief." He said, "Why not?" And he said, "Well, I, for one, I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, and and uh, and, and Jehovah's Witnesses do not." And he said, and so he pulled out his New World Translation and read to me John one one, and I said, "Well, that's not an accurate." translation of the Greek and he said you don't know Greek and remember when you're young and arrogant so I walked back in the house got my Greek trans Greek New Testament brought it out to him and read him John 1 1 from Greek well that's probably not the best way to do that but it's true that's not what the, the Bible says that's tampering with the Word of God this is what the Bible says the Bible says the Word was with God and the Word was God now look at the next verse. He repeats that distinction so that he's repeating one of the phrases in, in verse 2 from verse 1 so that you get it. He was with God in the beginning. So he's God, but he wants you to make, uh, again, that there is a distinction from the Father. So then verse 3. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. So he is the creator, along with the Father, and he's the agent of creation, and that everything that has been made was made through him. So he is not created. He's not the first thing created, as some of the cults would believe. He is the creator. And this is the verse that I think helps us to understand why John uses the title word. Why would he use word? Well, Psalm 33, verse 8 says, By the word of the Lord all things were created. Now, we understood that just in the Old Testament to mean that God spoke everything into existence, and he did. But John is linking that to the Word and telling us that the Word of God is more than just him speaking. It's the second person, the Trinity. He is the Word through whom all things were made. And I think that's why he uses the title Word here. It's, and if we skip down to verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh. That is, the eternal Jesus, the Word who had been in heaven forever at a point in time, descended to earth and became a human. And so he wants you to make sure you understand he doesn't mean he looked like a human or he just appeared as a human. He became flesh. That's a concrete word, isn't it? He, became, he had a body. He was really a human being. This is John's Christmas story. John has nothing in his gospel about shepherds. He has no wise men, no star, no manger. He doesn't even have Mary or Joseph in his gospel. This is his Christmas story. This is what all of those things mean. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So he's fully God. He's the Word who was with God and was God. And he became flesh. He became fully human so that he could save us. He could die for us. And he could reconcile us to the Father because he is both. And he made his dwelling among us. It literally reads he pitched his tent among us or he tabernacled among us because in Exodus chapter 25 in the Old Testament God said to the people of Israel 
though you're sinful, I love you. I want a way that you can meet with me and you can approach my holiness. And he said, you construct a tent of meeting. Do it just like I tell you to. The priest will be able to go in there. I will bring my glory down. And they did just what he said. And the glory of God descended from heaven and came in that place. And they could have some fellowship with a holy God even though they were sinful people. Well, here's what happened in the new covenant. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, pitched his tent among us. And we've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So a recreation of that, even better, Jesus is the new tabernacle and his, the glory of the Father is in him. So now we've learned that these two persons, we didn't know this before, but God's revealing to us the Trinity. He's Father and Son. Here's these two names that we would call God the Father and we would call Jesus the Son because the Word has come and He's revealed to us the, the one and only Son. There's no other Son of God like Jesus. Now, if you believe in Jesus, it is accurate and biblical to say that you become a son or a daughter of God. You're adopted into His family. But you are not a son or daughter of God in the same sense that Jesus is a son of God because he is the one and only son. There's no one whose sonship is like his. He's the unique or only begotten son of God. The glory of the one and only son who comes from the Father full of grace and truth. One more verse in John's introduction or prologue here where he's telling us who Jesus is, setting the stage for it. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. Remember Moses wanted to see God and God said, well, I'll let you see the back. You can't see my glory or it'd just kill you, Moses. You'd be dead. You couldn't, you can stand it as a human. No, so no one has ever seen God, but it says the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Do you hear those two phrases again where there is both identity and distinction? He is God and he's in closest fellowship with the Father. So he's not identical with the Father. He is God, but he is not identical with the Father who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Jesus came to reveal the glory of the Father that we could not see, but we have seen it in Jesus, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, the Christmas carol says. So, where did John get these ideas about Jesus? This is his introduction to the gospel, where he's telling us who Jesus is, and he is claiming Jesus has been here from the beginning, he's with God in closer fellowship with him, he is God, he is the Son, the only Son of the Father. Where did John get this stuff? He got it from the lips of Jesus himself. And so let's go to one of those conversations where Jesus talks about his relationship to the Father and his identity, and we'll see that in John chapter 5. So in John 5, it tells the story of one time when Jesus went to Jerusalem. And he goes to uh, a place called the Pool of Bethesda. And many who were infirm and crippled gathered around this pool because their belief was as the angel stirred the waters from time to time, if you got down into it, it would heal you. And there was a man who had been coming or being brought there for 38 years. 
long time of hoping and wishing for some help. And Jesus learned he had been there so long, and he said, uh, do you want to get well? And he said, I don't have anybody to help me get into the water. When, when, the, when the opportunity for healing comes, uh, there's no one to help me get in, so I've, I've missed every opportunity. And Jesus said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And for the first time in 38 years, this man stood up, rolled up his mat, and walked away. It was the Sabbath when Jesus did this. You're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath, the Jews believed, had all these rules. And so they didn't like it that Jesus had done this. So we pick up in verse 16 where it says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. And in his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I'm working too. The reason that he could work on the Sabbath, he said, is because God, he's keeping this whole show running. He's working every day, and I'm in close relationship with my father, and my father is always at his work, and that's why I'm working too. Well, in verse 18, for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The Jews understood it. They got this. They understood if you're saying, my, I'm, my father is working, that you're making yourself equal with God. And so they tried to kill him. And Jesus gave them this answer in verse 19. Verily, truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. There's no competition in the Trinity. There's no jealousy. He's dependent on the Father, he says. He's equal with the Father, but he's dependent on the Father. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. There's a unity of purpose between the Father and the Son. Verse 20, for the Father loves the Son. I, I talked about... Uh, the Trinity in marriage, and we'll talk about that more as we go through, but the Trinity is a model for our relationships. No jealousy, no competition, equality, but different function, different roles. The Father loves the Son. Here's our model for love. The Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you'll be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. There's a unity of purpose. There's an equality of action. Whatever the Father does, the Son does. The Father can raise the dead. The Son can give life to. Moreover, verse 22, the Father judges no one. But he has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Jesus said, you're to honor me, the Son, just as you honor the Father. And whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Do you see that relationship and that unity of purpose? Verse 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Do you hear how important this is to understand who Jesus is? Because if he really is the one who can give life as the Father does, then he says, if you really hear the message I'm sharing, that I have the power to grant life, forgive sin, 
And if you'll believe my words, you who are dead in sin can come alive right now. He's not talking here about the future resurrection. He's talking about right now. Today, if you would believe in Jesus, you can move from spiritual death to spiritual life. And he can give you new life. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. Isn't that great to know? Isn't that great to know that if you have crossed over from death to life, you'll not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Why is it important? This question of who Jesus is, you say, well, I don't want to really think about who he is. Here's why it's so important. Because if he is the one and only Son, he has granted, been granted to have life in in himself. What do we believe about Jesus? Who is he? Do you believe that he is the one who was in the beginning, who was with God and is God, who has become flesh and dwelt among us to show us the glory of the Father, that he's the one and only Son who shares the honor and the love and the judgment and the purpose of the Father? Because if you do, he says, you believe that, you can have eternal life. Last week we looked at the question, how many gods are there? And we saw that there are three major religions that answer this question. There is one true living God. They are Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. But here is where we come today to separate those three who share a similar monotheistic belief. Only one of those answers the question to say, who is Jesus? To say, he is the one and only Son of the Father. You thought the Jews would believe that because they had the inside track of the prophecy of the Old Testament. But as John said in the prologue, a verse we didn't read, he came into his own and his own received him not. Most Jews did not receive him. And today, Judaism as a system does not acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. Islam believes the Old Testament that that God is one, but does not acknowledge who Jesus is. Let me show you a quote from the Quran, the holy scriptures of Islam. The Quran says, Say not, Trinity, desist. It will be better for you. For God is one God, glory to be to him. Far exalted is he above having a son. Islam says, God does not have a son. Far exalted is he above having a son. So here's the difference. You know, some people want to say, oh, all religions are are true and, and you just believe what you want to believe. They can't all be true. Either God has a son or he doesn't have a son. You decide. These could both be wrong or one could be right, but they can't both be true. Islam says far above him having a son, Jesus said, I'm the one and only son sent from the Father. You've got to believe which is true. I'm betting on Jesus. I'm all in on Jesus. All in on Jesus. Some of you may have played the Powerball. I don't believe in playing the Powerball. I know it's tempting when it got above $2 billion, right? Wow. But let me tell you, there is a gamble that we have to take. You, you're, and it's not one you can sit out. 
You have to answer the question, who is Jesus? By your silence or by your affirmation, you're answering that question. Who is Jesus to you? That's the gamble of life. You can bet that he's not the son, or you can bet that he is. You live your life and bet one way or the other. It's the biggest gamble of life. The testimony of the scriptures that we have been given, the words of Jesus himself, and the actions that back up those words that he did God-like things of raising the dead and healing the sick, is that Jesus is the one and only Son sent from the Father. I'm all in on Jesus. Place your bets. Place your bets for your life. And Jesus said, if you'll believe in me, you'll cross over from death to life. You'll have eternal life. Let's look one more time at John 1.18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relation to the Father, he has made him known. You can know God by believing in Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father in heaven, maybe there's somebody right now wrestling with this question, who is Jesus? And I pray that they would put their faith in him by the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. No one comes to the Father unless you draw them. But by the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would put their faith in Jesus, cross over right now from the death sentence, from the death row that they are on, to the life sentence of eternal life. And I pray that would happen in someone's life here today. And I pray for those of us who are followers of you, that we would understand our faith, know our faith, be strong in our faith, with kindness and with love, we would stand for the truth that Jesus is the one and only Son of the Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together with me? We're going to sing a song of commitment today. If you would pray to receive Christ, next Sunday we have baptism. You could come forward today, confess Christ, be baptized with some others. We'll be baptized in this service next Sunday morning. This is a great opportunity for you. Would you right now just respond to God, slip forward, come out meet me here at the front, come to join our church or come for prayer. This is just time to respond to God as he speaks to you. Just how far we've come Knowing that for every step You were with us Kneeling on this battleground Seeing just how much you've done Knowing every victory Was your power in us Scars and struggles on the way But with joy our hearts can say our hearts can sing. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. Feeling on this battle. 
once did we ever walk alone? Robbed of your constant grace, held within your perfect peace. Never once, no, we never walk alone. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once. Shonda Hensick was supposed to do our closing today, and she is not here. They had a, a dear friend in Johnson City where they're from who died, and they're at her funeral today, and so we pray for them. So I'm substituting for Shonda. Shonda is our Director of Recreation Ministries, and she was coming to tell you about upward basketball and cheerleading, so I want to tell you about that. We have 185 children registered. That's more than we've ever had uh, for upward basketball. We have 45 cheerleaders and 140 basketball players. And so Shonda has got 20 teams of basketball and four cheer teams, 24 different teams. So she needs coaches. We got a lot of folks signed up already, but this is more kids than we've ever had that God has brought to us. So she needs some coaches. If you'd go by the Welcome Center and there's a sheet, you can sign up there. So what you're committing to is to one hour a week of practice on an evening in December and January, one hour a week, and then on January and February, one Saturday, one hour each Saturday for the game. So it's a one-hour commitment during December, a two-hour week commitment during January and February. We need folks from First Baptist to be lead coaches. We have parents, we have a lot of students signed up to help, but we have parents from other churches or no church that want to help, but we don't want them to be a lead coach because part of what you do in that coaching is you share prayer. You do the, the little uh, devotion every week at practice. We need just people who love Jesus. We don't care, really, if you know anything about basketball. We can pair somebody with you who knows something about basketball. We need somebody who loves Jesus and loves children. Would you sign up? Need some referees, but need a bunch of coaches. So that's 20 teams, two coaches. She needs 40 volunteers. She's got at least half of that. But we need, the, need a few referees and scorekeepers. So I uh, just want to share that, and I'm going to pray for Upward here in just a moment. I want to tell you just about a couple of other things. This week, um, 
Tim Hensick's doing a men's event Thursday night at 6.30. Going to watch on the big screen in the hub. Uh, Thursday night football, Titans play the Packers. Uh, men, uh, text him. Uh, the number's in your newsletter, I think in your bulletin, to uh, RSVP to that. I'll be sharing a halftime challenge. Uh, that'll be dinner and, and the football Good Men's Fellowship event. Next Sunday at 5, we have our annual church Thanksgiving dinner. We want to invite you to come. If you're a guest with us, we invite you to come. Uh, turkey and dressing and, and drinks and cranberry sauce will be furnished. You bring two dishes, a side, salad, or dessert. Be in the gym. Have a brief time of Thanksgiving. Uh, and then we eat together, invite you to come and be a part of that. Finally, I want to encourage you to give. We appreciate your giving, your faithful tithes and offerings fund all that we do. Now, if you're a member of our church, you get offering envelopes mailed to you each month. That comes from a Lifeway envelope service. They were late this month. You didn't get them probably before last Sunday. We don't like that. We have complained to the post office and to Lifeway. It's somebody's fault other than ours. But if you didn't get your envelopes, would you make sure you don't miss your giving? We need your faithful giving there. So if you didn't give last week because you didn't have that reminder, let me encourage you. There are offering boxes scattered throughout our church, but there's some right here in this building, uh, in this room, right before you go out those double doors. Thank you for your faithful and regular giving, even if your offering envelopes do not arrive on time. We appreciate that. I'm going to pray and uh, lead us in a prayer of dedication for Upward. And uh, thank you for being here, being a part of our worship has been shared. I'll be at the Welcome Center uh, right after this. Um, I'd love to meet you if you're a guest with us. Thank you for being here. I invite you to come by the Welcome Center and learn about a connection group. That's our next step of getting involved in a group. There are groups for birth through senior adults. They'll help you there, take you to the, the one of your choice. Begins at 945, just about 15 or 20 minutes. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for sending these 185 kids to us in this Upward program. And we pray for those who don't know you as Savior that they would be saved through this. We pray, at least for those older kids, third grade and up, we want to especially pray that. And Lord, we want to pray for um, families that are not in church. So to that end, right now, we pray for Shonda as she leads and administers this program. And we pray you'd stir in the hearts of people to invest in children, to give of their time in this season. So we pray for an adequate number of coaches and referees and scorekeepers for that. We commit this outreach to you. May your kingdom be glorified through these next few months in this. Lord, thank you for the worship today. Thank you for everyone here. And Lord, we just marvel at your amazing identity that Jesus you're the one and only Son of God, and you have shown us the Father's glory, and we give glory back to you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. Your friend.